Welcome to Make Your Statement, the podcast where we delve deep into the world of signs and visual graphics and their impact in the real world of business. Today, we're delighted to welcome co-founder of Block Living, uh, Anand Patel, who joins us today to discuss the recent inroads that Block Living have been making into the Manchester market of real estate, uh, residential property, block management. Welcome to the podcast, Anand. Hello. How's it going today? Good, 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 good. Well, it's been a uh, pretty rapid rise of success. It has, hasn't it? It's been uh, a very much a pinch myself moment. So oh, really? It? Yeah, it's nothing Nothing seems real still. We're on a roller coaster of, um, yeah, of high emotions. And how long has it actually been now? Because it's uh, so really we're nearly, not that long. Yeah, we're nearly two years old now, nearly. So it's been, it's been a while. Kidding. Yeah, so wow. January, February next year will be two years. Wow. So we're almost, yeah. That just seems to have passed. Oh, it's gone so quick. It's been. I can remember getting the email to say that your first two yeah, blocks of course. signed up. Yeah. I can't remember which of the blocks were, but mm-hmm. I remember the email to say, nothing's official yet. No. It's got to be kept under the radar. Uh, but can we you have help? signed. Exactly. <laughs> and we said, absolutely. Yeah, we're there. We'll be all over it. What do we need to do to bring this thing to life? Mm-hmm. So. What did bringing it to life entail from your side and what were we able to bring to the party? So kind of for us, the story goes 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 back to kind of old career, was very much a corporate job, looking after P&Ls, um, still in the block management industry. So I've been doing it for nearly 15 years now. So wow. it's been a while, seen lots of things, done lots of things, um, been with you for quite a lot of that journey as well, which has been good. Um, and then this inception came around just by chance, I guess, for me. So just over two and a half years ago when I quit my last job. Um, I took a, a kind of hiatus from work. I was lucky enough to kind of not have to work for seven, eight months just because I'd had enough for a little while. And I was kind sure. of like, you know what? Burnout. I need to, yeah, burnout. I need to just take some time out. And we were fortunate enough that we could do that. So mm-hmm. literally was doing nothing for six, seven, eight months. And it was the best time of my life. <laughs> um, so it's not every day you get a chance like that, especially kind of midway through your career. So that was good. And then... I think it was December time I kind of thought right I'm, I'm getting a bit bored now I need to start getting into something start looking back into the job market see what's right. out there um, kind of dip my toe into the market and very much started looking for another career or another position in block management because that's right. where my skill set was sure. I thought do what you know best because yeah. then you can go in at the level that you expect to go into and yeah. kind of carry on from there so did that had a look around and you know lots of people that were interested lots of different interesting offers because you know markets have changed now where it's all kind of shares and all this kind of good stuff that get yeah. offered as part of a package so that was all really good and then i came home thinking actually you know what is it just going to be the same thing again am yeah. i going to be doing same thing different company is it is it really exciting i'm not thinking oh i'm going to really love this i'm going to enjoy it so walked away from it thinking maybe i need to start looking at something else kind of a different of industry kind of got great skills that can be transferable, all the rest of it. Because in terms of the industry, from somebody that owns property in a block, Mm -hmm. um, it seems that there's been a heck of a lot of consolidation. um, Big players becoming much, much bigger players. And even some big players getting taken over by gargantuan players in the market. So why was it a good idea to be the small guy on the block again compared to being part of one of these massive great organizations i think great question i think for me it's just it's so much easier to make a difference when you're small you can make quick decisions yeah. you can make big impact because the decision chains are so small um 
you're a lot more involved with your customer. It's kind of face to face. I can speak to my directors. I can give them a call. Um, I can relate to exactly what they want and they need and translate that quickly into a process change. So when you say directors, you're talking about the directors of the of the blocks? Correct, yeah. So all the buildings, for those that don't know, that we manage are normally run out of a limited company. Right. Um, the limited company has shareholders, which are normally the owners in the blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of them shareholders then choose to become directors who make the decisions on them blocks. Right. Um, and all that's a voluntary role. So kind of that's where my initial story started from because an old friend of mine uh, was having problems in his block with mm-hmm. his agent. So it was like, you've been around. Can you have a look at this for us? Can yep. you help in any way? So had a look at it all, gave him solutions for everything. I thought, it's easy enough. It's day-to-day stuff. Go back, say this, go back, do this. And off the back of that, just as a joking, passing conversation, he was like, do you not fancy doing this yourself? Because you know all the answers. Yep. So I kind of went home that day and thought, wait a minute, this is an opportunity here. Should I should I take it? It's a light bulb moment. Exactly, yeah. So I kind of went home and thought, geez, Maybe I should give this a go. And it's for me from there, it was just the click that thought, yeah, let's do this. Let's start. Absolutely. Um, and it was exciting because it's from the ground up. You're setting all your own kind of base level tech infrastructure, all the things that you know that are a problem elsewhere that you can solve from the bottom up because it's your foundations that you're setting correctly. So it was a really, really exciting journey from the beginning. And it was great because we had our first customer ready and waiting. Right. And when you touched on to the world of tech there, yeah. I mean, I can remember it, working with you in previous roles, very heavy on the tech solutions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the great thing is, of course, the tech's there 24-7. Whenever somebody's got the problem, mm-hmm. they can raise the ticket, yeah. whatever it might be. They can communicate with you in hours, mm-hmm. outside of hours, yeah. through the tech profile. What have you brought to Block Living in terms of the tech that perhaps people have working with other companies have perhaps not seen before? What kind of functionality have you? Yeah, so it's a multitude of different things. So I think nowadays tech is so much easier to access. It's, you know, a click of a finger, you can hire a developer in a different country to do a bit of work for you and carry out a, you know, a bespoke project. So base level, we invested quite heavily in um, your billing software, your communications pieces, because with our industry, communication is key. Yeah. People need to know what's going on when, quickly, and modern day. You know, everyone want, doesn't everyone doesn't want to speak to somebody. You might want to just log on of an evening when you finish work and just access your information, do what you need to do, uh, back out of it. So it was important for us to get the base level right, but get the base level right where you can then add into it into different pieces of tech. So. For example, we've got our base billing software. We have modules that add into it that do other things that we want them to do. Mm-hmm. And that's that was key for us because I think a lot of historical tech um, was very expensive to set up. Right. Um, you know, long lease periods, long finance periods. Now it's just the monthly payment that you pay um, wow. based off what you need. Yeah. So it's scalable. You grow with it as it grows. You grow. Um, and then it's easy because you can dial into it with other pieces of software. So right. You know, people want to pay by card. People want to pay by PayPal. People want to pay in different ways. You yeah. just, it's just a module that we plugged into Lock it an existing thing. And that's another thing that we try and do is make it as easy as possible for people to pay the service charges, communicate with us, all these things that are tech innovative. But also, I think it's important, and I always say this, it's, it's not just tech is a solution for everyone. There's people out there that want letters. There's people out there that just want a phone call because yeah. that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. And you can't leave them people behind because they're still your customers. Yeah. I think that was important to have a level of functionality that was still basic in there because there is a need for that. I, mean, we, I was actually discussing with somebody else over the last couple of days how 
doesn't matter whether you're looking at financial services, whether you're looking at buying any product mm-hmm. or any service, the customer journey is yeah. actually getting increasingly more challenging yep. for the customer. Of course it is. Seems to be getting easier and easier, in theory at least, for mm-hmm. the supplier. Don't know whether that's 100% <laughs> true. That's how it appears. Yep. That you know, you try and call a company. It's like, oh, don't talk to us. You need Go to get on online yeah, and do exactly. this. So you'll jump onto a chat room and find out that you're three hundred and fiftieth in line waiting yeah. to be attended yeah. to. It's almost like your time as the customer has no value anymore. No, exactly, it's kind of flipped itself around, hasn't it? Whereas for us, you know, I'm a leaseholder. I live in an apartment block. I know what I expect of my agent, for example. Of course. Um, and like you touched on there, you don't want to go to a chat if you just want to pick up the phone and speak to somebody. No. Because it might be an urgent matter that you want to, you know, you've got a leak or yeah. there's something happening in the building that you need looking at. And and yeah, it's, you know, give the people the chat option that want a quick yeah. answer to something that, you know, whilst they're on the lunch break, great. Mm-hmm. But also offer that core service of whenever you ring us, we will pick up the phone. Yeah. I mean, I remember back in my dissertation days of, of my MBA, it was, um, I think the, the title of my dissertation was giving lip service for, to customer yeah, service. That's it. Because at the time, it was all around the rise of the call center and how you were frequently greeted with, your call is important, please hold. It was almost like, well, if the call's yeah. important, just answer, answer the damn phone. thing. <laughs> just don't tell me, no. <laughs> just deliver. Yeah. And it sounds like you're going over and above that's to it. give your leaseholders yeah. in the blocks that you're managing, that varies range and plethora of options of how they want and exactly. how it suits them to communicate. Yeah. And I think going further than that is, you know, picking up the phone is one thing, actually having an answer, uh, you know, uh, an educated answer, a knowledgeable answer for that person to help them is the next thing. It's, anybody can pick up a phone, but what's the level of service they then, you then get at the other end of it? Yeah. Is it, oh, actually that person knows my building, they've been to our building, they know exactly where this door is so they can relate to it. Absolutely. And all of our staff are just kind of pushed that way around. It's kind of trained them so they know the buildings, they've been to the buildings. If they haven't, we can touch on it a bit later, we have digital twins of our buildings so they can walk around online of all of our blocks. Wow. It's fascinating tech, which is, again, something that we've innovated on. And presumably most, of, if not all of your blocks yeah. are within a relatively small number of mile radius. Yeah. So... You're not in a situation where you've got team members on your on your staff yeah. that are trying to solve a problem that's 50 miles away no, or 60 miles away. Exactly. So even that nowadays, you know, COVID's taught us a lot. People can work from wherever they want to do. They don't have to come into the office. They um, they work their work lives um, shouldn't be impacted by the personal lives because that's important. You know, if you've got kids, you need to drop them off. Crack on. Mm-hmm. Just log in when you can. Make sure yeah. the work's done. That's great. So as you've touched on, local knowledge is great but it doesn't always have to be that close to it. No. I think it's important to get that balance right where people don't mind if someone's a bit further away, as long as they're getting the service as well. You know, it's um, the guys on the ground should be local. I think yeah. that's massively important. Absolutely. So you can react to things. You can, um, when there's local events and things going on, you know what's happening. You can communicate that. But getting an answer quickly to a, solu- a problem, yeah, anybody can do that. Because I guess typically for most people as leaseholders, the principal time they want to get hold of the managing agent is because something's gone wrong. Yeah. Nobody rings you to say, well done. Yeah, great job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's nice to get that feedback where has and when, and I'm yeah. sure you do get that. it comes that. in other areas, But yeah. typically, that's not going to be no. the primary focus exactly. of why somebody I need something. Can you do this for me? There's a problem. Do you know where this is? Yeah, exactly. The problem, what are you going to do yeah. about it? 
So tell me, but in, just going back to the tech bit, mm. I'm absolutely dying to hear about this modeling. Yeah. How does that work? So it's fascinating. So it's a piece of kit that you've probably seen, I don't know if you've ever purchased a flat or um, you're looking to rent it, you can do virtual tours of sure. kind of an apartment or a house or whatever, just because it's easy to get around it. So we've taken that base model and applied it to a building. So for example, one of our buildings, actually all of us, that again. Um, so for example, all of our buildings have got digital twins now. So you literally log online, you can walk through every single corridor up and down through the floors. Um, you can click on equipment such as the fire alarm. Um, it will tell you who the contractor is for it, when it was last serviced. So it's wow. all at the touch of your finger. So anybody anywhere within our team can access it. Wow. And it's just, it's a game changer for us because it, it came out of a necessity of, right, number one, where do we put all this information? Contracts, um, service sheets. Number two, if we need to send somebody to the building, how could we make sure they get there quicker? The quicker a contractor can get to an issue, the less it's going to cost. There's going to be less kind of um, call-out charges. How do we reduce the customer's journey of cost? Yeah, that was another thing. And thirdly, just kind of having a floor plan because it creates a floor plan off the back of that for which flats above which, where all the water meters are, where all the electrical cupboards are. It's quick information that you can just search in a bar and I can say, apartment 100, where's the water stop tap? It'll tell me where it is and it'll walk me through the building. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> and something like that 10, 15 years ago just didn't exist. So where do you see, obviously come such a long way over, and I still can't believe it's two years, but yeah. apparently it is. Where do you see, where would you forecast the next three to five going? Yeah, so for us, our kind of growth strategy is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very controlled. So it's something that we want to do slow and steady. It's We've seen it before when you, you have a very kind of steep trajectory on your growth. Things start falling apart right. just because there isn't enough resource there to support everything else. Mm-hmm. And for all of our customers, you know, we take on a new block. It doesn't impact. It doesn't impact any of our other blocks at all. Mm-hmm. It's a journey that's flawless because we've done it so many times. We tweak it obviously for each building because each building's unique. Um, so for us, it's very much that same model of slow and steady growth based on what we know already, and then just expanding to other buildings that need our help. Phenomenal. So thinking back to the actual inception of the business and the start of the yeah. business. What were your visions and did you have any clear um, kind of pre-made conclusions of where you wanted to be in terms of the look of the business, the feel of the business and the branding for for Block Living? I think for us, it's at inception, it's very difficult, I think maybe for most businesses, to have a such a clear-cut plan for your branding and where you want to be um, because you are new, you are you're a young business. You don't have um, big pockets that you can start spending on mm-hmm. uh, branding, advertising, and kind of all that stuff. So for us, it was very much get things up and running. We knew we had a, a great ethos. We knew we had a great mission for the business and where we wanted it to be, uh, and the brand kind of developed around it as we kind mm-hmm. of grew. Because a strong name, yeah, to get it absolutely tells everybody what it is you yeah, do. Exactly, so it was a great starting so point. That you know that was weeks 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 of just searching for names searching for then a logo that would fit with it and then playing around with countless online logo creators and all this stuff and you just kind of you lose it after a bit because you've seen so many you don't know where you're gonna which one's gonna work for you and then again that was a light bulb moment where something just worked for us which is the beat of the building which is what we've got which is our 
uh, Block Living logo. And that came just, again, after multiple inceptions of trying to create something because it's right creating a logo is not easy it's yeah. such a difficult process to try and find something that fits you that then hasn't obviously been taken somewhere else and, and all the other good stuff that goes with that so for us it was very much a um, start from that it took a while mm-hmm. and then we kind of as we grew as a business we developed that into right okay now this needs to be our um, our mission and ethos needs to now fall into our branding and our website and our mm-hmm. um signage around the developments and all that kind of stuff so for me it's very much not just let's get the branding right it's then how is that going to translate into our buildings no absolutely because as you well know we're kind of the buildings are residential buildings so you can't just slap your signage across everywhere because it's not a commercial unit so you've got to be very tasteful about how you do it when you do it and where you do it i think is very important but residents need to know yeah and have a go-to place Mm -hmm. of well Actually, I can't remember because some of the residents in those buildings might not actually be the leaseholders. It could indeed be just a tenant yeah. who needs to go to that plaque on the wall to know how to get help in the event that they need something they can't get hold of the rental agents. Exactly. So for us, it's very much kind of working with you guys on um, the initial signage for when you walk into a development. So you know it's a block living building. Mm-hmm. That for me was exciting because I remember having that conversation with you um, when the uh, metal bronze defect plaque was born and that's obviously now a standard across all of our buildings so you know it's ours and it's such a great finish on a product that's different and very unique finish exactly you don't see everywhere exactly and the material again that was important for the choice so it's not just plastic it's a bit more sustainable Mm -hmm. um so that was important to us as well it wasn't just to stick our logo on something that replaces what was there no because that's important as well you don't just always do what was there and what has been done no try and make it better absolutely and Typically, I guess you're not in an office situation where you're advertising to every Tom, Dick and Harry that's walking down the street. That's not your customer. You're not looking to attract people in that way. But you do need to attract people that need your help in those buildings. So a good visual presence without it being over the top. I think that's key. Yeah, it's got to be um, to the point. It's got to be succinct. It's got to be easy to understand because again for a lot of our developments some of the requirements come from from our clients who say actually this development's in this area it's um, language is a barrier yeah okay how do we break it down yeah so that's again something that we've introduced through not just signage but also through our portal so then say maybe you can do it in any kind of language that you want so that's good but then the initial signage to tell someone to go there has to be clear enough and that's what we've done across all of our buildings is keep it relevant because each building's different each building systems are different, sure. uh, but keep it succinct so people get to quickly to what they need to do. And something I, I really do need to touch on is, you know, obviously on the back of the tragedy of Grenfell, mm-hmm. for everybody involved in blocks above a certain size yeah. at least, a lot has changed certainly since early 2023 when the kind of output regulations came into force to try and prevent hopefully something like that never happening again i really hope it doesn't Mm -hmm. um but there was quite a big job to be done in terms of bringing signage Mm -hmm. wayfinding particularly fire escape signage Mm -hmm. that kind of thing up to a code yeah uh, how much of a mountain was that to climb because the Um, original report was yeah it was hundreds of pages wasn't it um so for us again it's kind of Luckily for us, we're in an industry where we are led by kind of our um, professional bodies who break them down into kind of manageable chunks because there's a lot of information to take um, from the original reports that came out and then 
the rules and regulations and the law changes that happened. So for us, it was a obviously partner with somebody that can work with us, mm-hmm. yourselves, and Aaron's been amazing for that. Um, and then second is, do we? The rules are the rules, but some of them are very vague. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the interpretation. Yeah. How does it work? Is it going to work? Is it? Do we have to do it that way? Because the wayfinding signs was one of the biggest changes where we have to now have on well, any buildings above eighteen meters wayfinding signage. So fire. Uh, fire officers, firefighters come in the building if there's an issue, they know exactly where to go, they know exactly where a particular flat is and they can get straight to it. Yeah. Um, that has guidelines around it. It's Some people think it's very much um, black and white, you need to do as it says, mm-hmm. but when you read into it, it's very much a guideline. You know, yeah. It must be at least this or the size must be at least this. So for us, it's it's we want to abide by the rules, obviously, because we want to make the building a safe place. But yeah. we've got to, we've also got to consider that people live in these buildings. They don't just want a bland sign putting up on every single floor that goes up and down the building yeah. because it's functional. Yeah. It also needs to look good. It's so, look homely, exactly. And residential, yeah, we can't just stick it. Yeah, exactly. So for us, it was very much working with um, your kind of art guys and making sure that what vision we had works for a particular building because they're all different and then be translating that to the directors to say look you're gonna have to pay for these signs because it's a new requirement Mm -hmm. we've not gone for the basic ones because your building's font is everywhere and we need to use that one so that's within the guidelines let's use that and you've got different finishes so you might have wood surface that it needs to be attached to on one building you might have a metal surface that it needs to attach to on another building so it's very much Take the guidelines, use the guidelines, bounce off you guys for design, mm-hmm. and then run with it. Yeah, I think we always say in terms of our make your statement yeah. brand positioning that you know, ultimately it's your statement. You as the customer or as our customer have got the statement to make. We've just got the tips, yeah. tricks, and tools to help get you there. Yeah, but it's super helpful to have a partner like that because for us it's we've got the operational skills to pull something together into where floors are and you guys can come up with the ideas to say, actually have you thought about this or this absolutely. will work a bit better if you do it this way around absolutely so as a business you've made a decision a very affirmative decision to put people over profit what has led the business to bringing that to the fore in the first place and what does that actually look like in day-to-day terms and from a people point of view? So as we touched before, I mentioned kind of the base of our business was very much um, born out of the frustration of having to help a leaseholder that was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, that for us was something that we wanted to replicate along our whole business journey. If we're here to help someone, we've got to be in it to help them, not just the money that we're making off the back of them. Of course. Um, for me, it's a natural kind of um, progression which will be the, if you carry on doing what you're doing consistently by helping people and putting people over the money you're making off them the money will come later sure that will happen you know profits will come that'll be great but we're in a we're in a journey of our business or we're in the stage of our business where we we want to just help people and we know that that's our marketing tool in itself it's kind of you do a good job you, know, you might own in a different block or you might be a director in a different block. You might think, oh, actually, you guys should help out on here. Yeah. And that's the kind of route that we want to take to make sure that that happens. But also it's important for me, and I've seen this time and time before in other businesses where, um, especially in block management, it's just people are overrun. They've got so much to do. Um, they haven't got enough time to stop and think. They haven't got enough time to be innovative. And so for us, it's very much all of our staff have got capacity. They've got extra capacity. So them periods of time where they can stop and think are I think where the best kind of outcomes and the best um, ideas come from because they can take the time they can 
respond to something in a completely different way than somebody that's just rushing through it. So it's very much making sure that they've got capacity. Our people are there. Our people are there. They're well over-resourced. They've got capacity. They've got time to provide the service that we want. And how you get a new hire in, mm. you've got new starters, starts on a Monday morning. Yeah. How do you kind of get that message through as to what's expected of them? Because yeah. probably thinking, oh, I've got a bit of time on my side. I'm getting the old candy crush out or I'm doing whatever. Yeah. If I've got spare time, I'll fill it myself. I don't need your I help. I think it's Thank very you. much the person that you're hiring. So I think for us, it's the journey way before the start date. It's making sure... Uh, the selection process is such that the person shares the same sort of ethos as you. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I think COVID has taught us a lot now um, that since all that happened, people's um, motivation is, a lot of people's motivation has changed. They don't just want the money. They want a rewarding job. Yeah. They want to do good things. They want to make sure that they come to work and um, perform. They want to make sure that they've got time to do their social things afterwards. And, and that's the type of people that we want because they're the go-getters. They're the ones that are going to get the customer service that you want out of them. Yeah. And you know, if you want to have a break and play Candy Crush, fine, go for it because that's normal. People need to have a break. Yeah. Um, but for us, a lot of the time, it's not necessary because they're doing something exciting. They're doing something interesting. Right. And you don't have time to worry about playing a game where you don't want to. And I suppose when you've got that kind of mindset entrenched in a team, actually when they do pick the phone up to that incoming caller that's in a yeah. perhaps highly stressed state, mm-hmm. there's water coming in through the roof or whatever it, it might be yeah. means they're going to get a pretty empathetic I think so and that's reception. so important in our industry because you've got again go, you've got to put yourself in their shoes yeah. if you've got water coming through your ceiling it's going to be horrendous because it's that person's home it's that person's belongings it's yeah. it's very emotive so it's all these things that someone's got to yeah. deal with on the other end of the phone to make sure customers happy they feel safe they feel that they've been taken care of yeah and just to bring some calm to the yeah, situation exactly yeah because it could be quite heated yeah, yeah absolutely yeah I can, I can totally see how that would work in terms of kind of mindset yeah. and uh, how getting that right personality on the other end yeah. of the phone it's just it's all people the right people can make make waves for you for they? sure absolutely so if we've got any of our listeners out there or viewers out there that are listening to this today and thinking wow we really could do with some changes we could do with things shaking up how do they connect with uh, you guys at block living so multiple of ways most of our kind of uh, contact details and everything's on our website so blockliving.co.uk from there you can book straight into my diary if you want to do and we can have a uh, an initial zoom meeting or drop us an email give us a call and we'll catch up over a coffee which seems to be the way a lot of our business is done. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you very much indeed for coming in to join us on this uh, session today. Uh, it's been certainly a pleasure working with you, both within Block yeah. Living and you know, our history goes back before, yeah, goes way, there, back, way, way back. <laughs> and uh, it's just fantastic to see the level of success that you're enjoying and the difference. And certainly you're involved in the building that uh, we're leaseholders yeah. in. The difference it's made for our own building so on a personal level thank you very much indeed no for worries that. thank you thank you so much thank you so much to anand for joining us on this great edition of the podcast uh, we're excited about the next one where we'll be joined by tom law from evac looking at branding in the world of electric car charging so thanks for joining us today if you like what you've heard make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts